Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? It's been a rough couple of days, Amy. Yeah. Yesterday, Amy, we got the news of Harry Reeder, who is mm-hmm. a PCA pastor in the Birmingham area. I was familiar with him because of living in Birmingham. And yeah. Very yeah. well known. You know, PCA Very pastor. well known. Yeah. yeah. Passed away in a car accident in Birmingham That's right. yesterday. And That's then right. this morning, we woke up to the news of, of Tim Keller That's passing right. away, uh, the pastor and author, uh, pastor at Redeemer Church there in New York City. And just a uh, heavy, heavy hearts today for our friends over in the PCA. Really heavy hearts. This is a, a honestly such a big blow for both of those to happen in the same week uh, because just between the two of them, a tremendous amount of influence in that denomination. Um, and well, then and course, not just in theirs, in ours as right, well, and, and several right, others. I mean, right, their influence right. reached well beyond the PCA, especially Keller. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I was doing a lot of reflecting today on just the things, the things that, that I was impacted by. I remember when I first learned about him, we were in Waverly and Hopewell, which is where he was um, pastoring, before he went to New York to plant Redeemer. Hopewell is this really small town. It's bigger than Waverly, but not much. And the idea, I remember when I learned about him and learned about Redeemer, the idea that someone could go from Hopewell to New York City was just amazing to me. Um, And I, you know, listened to his sermons. And then I met him in 2016, actually at Summit, Because there was a conference that he came and spoke at, and Ed Stetzer, who you and I worked with, also came to speak at it. So I went over there. I was working at Southeastern at the time, went over there to Summit, was not a member at Summit at the time. Um, And I think it was my first time to ever even be in, it was in the Briar Creek building, to even be in the auditorium there. And caught up with Ed and and visited him, went to his session. And then he said, Hey, come on and let's go sit down and catch up. And we went into the room and there was Tim Keller. And I remember Ed very quietly saying to me, do you want me to introduce you? And I was like, uh, yeah, I do. And Jonathan, it lasted about five seconds. I don't remember exactly what he said, but I do remember he looked me straight in the eye. And I remember he, he had the kindest eyes and there was nothing, you know, that, that title or phrase celebrity pastor, which is an oxymoron and absolutely should be. That's like the, not, he was the total antithesis of that concept. Like yeah. he was so humble and um, approachable and just, just kind kindness just exuded from him. And uh, I, like I said, I can't remember what all was said, but I remember what it felt like. Hmm. And, um, you know, I have a lot of friends who some met, have met him and talked to him. Some haven't, but have just been impacted by his ministry and yeah. everyone. We are all really grieving. Yeah, I would fall in the latter group. Never met him, but yeah. uh, greatly impacted by him. I, several of his works on my bookshelf behind me here. So um, I, I know our, our friend Trevin Wax, a mutual friend of ours, works with the North American Mission Board. Uh, he's good friends with the family and good friends with Tim. And uh, we were talking to him earlier this week and just uh, the impact that he had made on him. So you mentioned J.D. and the summit. Um, J.D. Greer, your boss and pastor, has a uh, first person on how Tim Keller impacted him. 
over at yeah. Baptist Press. So uh, we'll link to that in the show notes. We also have a story over at Baptist Press as well. So those will be in the show notes. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, heavy hearts today uh, with the passing of Tim Keller from pancreatic cancer at age 72. So Amy, we'll, we'll jump into the news this week. Uh, we have news from the North American Mission Board and their ongoing lawsuit with Will McCraney. I remember McCraney filed a lawsuit, I think back in 2016 or 17. I uh, can't remember the exact year on that, but uh, that's been going on for quite a few years. And NAM has filed a response and a motion for summary judgment in that case. This is kind of a big, stunning motion. I've only skimmed it, but it makes some really strong and direct arguments in there. Some of it continuing, I think, the ecclesiastical argument, but yeah. then also some that really get into the merits of the case itself. Yes. So, so one of the, the pieces that NAM has been saying all along is how it hinges on the ecclesiastical abstention doctrine, which is basically the, the courts can't even get involved in church doctrinal affairs and, and hiring and things like that. And to read the stuff that I'm reading in the filings here, the depositions that were forced by the court, it's just kind of head scratching because we've never seen stuff like this on like why people were hired and why people were fired in this case in a ministry setting. It's surprising. It, it really was surprising. But uh, there are a lot of documents in the Baptist Press story here. Uh, I would highly recommend going and reading those just to kind of be fully informed. We can only kind of give you the Cliff's Notes version here. But per the Baptist Press article, uh, Nam once again cited that previous dismissal of the case in 2019 on the First Amendment grounds, arguing that, also arguing that they were covered in the separation agreement that Will McCraney signed whenever he left the Baptist Convention of Maryland, Delaware. And then also Nam is arguing just on the merits of the case that the claims are not backed up by the facts of the case. One of the claims that McCraney had made is that Nam had pressured the state into firing him. And there's a document from the June 8th, 2015 meeting of the state's general mission board in which uh, the association leaders described rumors of absorbing those positions into the state convention as leaving more questions than answers in meetings with pastors and that the BCMD president, Bill Warren, stated that McCraney had circumvented state convention polity. Others spoke to low morale among the staff, including one staffer's assessment that McCraney's, quote, narcissism is choking. And then the final vote by the board to remove McCraney as a state exec was 37 to 0. And then a year later, Warren reflected on that vote in an email to another BCMD pastor saying, quote, this is the bottom line. We fired Will because of his wretched leadership, not because of a possible loss of NAM funds. Uh, that's kind of flying in the face of the claims made okay. by McCraney. So a lot more in there. Highly recommend going and reading that. And there's a lot of documentation again. McCraney has until June 1st to file a response to the NAM response yesterday. And then McCraney also had filed one about the uh, supporting partners issue that is being taken up in the case. And NAM has until June 1st to respond to that. So we'll probably be back here in a couple of weeks with some more documents and more information on this case. I know there was a lot, Amy, right out the gate, but... This has been going on for a while, and we finally have the uh, the NAM response to a lot of the claims that McCraney's been making over the last few years. Yep. All right. So lots of legal updates these yes. days. Yeah, a lot of legal updates going on here. But hey, here's a great update, Amy. The IMB met this past week and appointed 92 new missionaries. 92, Amy. 92. Is that the most? 
ever. Most I, the, I don't know if it's the most ever. It's the most I can I mean, remember. I mean, in our most time ever. And I, I mean, most ever at an annual meeting. I don't know. Celebration. I have no idea. Know. It's a lot. Yeah, I, I don't know, but it, that's a lot. That's more than we've seen the last few years at the annual meeting. I know that much. It's usually anywhere between forty to sixty. That's kind of where we've been. So ninety-two. I need to check the calendar on the the clock on that that, that schedule. I was about to say, has anybody told the committee on order of business they may be scrambling? Hey Bart, you know that forty-five minute time that you have right after the <laughs> um, the the sending ceremony? Yeah, we need you to shrink that down about twenty minutes. Yeah, that's that's pretty uh, pretty exciting. Hey, if we're gonna take time to do something, this is the kind of thing to be taking time. That's to do. the thing to do. That's right? the thing to extend some time on. All right. Well, hey, they also elected some new officers for this year. Uh, Keith Evans is the chairman. Nate Bishop, first vice chair. Carol Pfeiffer is the second vice chair, and Trudy Crittenden will be the recording secretary for the International Mission Board. All right. Full story about that, and again, we'll be looking forward to commissioning those ninety-two missionaries at the SBC annual meeting in just a few weeks. All right, Amy, it's graduation season. We start in uh, your neck of the woods there in Southeastern, where the school celebrated 309 graduates last Friday. Yeah, it was a great day. Uh, two graduation ceremonies. I made it to both of them. And, uh, and it walked, was... so you didn't have to worry about traffic. That's right. I walked in the morning. Oh. I, I, the afternoon, I drove over there because um, it's pretty hot. And I, I, I got to tell you, I walked to the first one because I thought, I'm going to get in my car. I'm only a few blocks away. I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to spend time driving around the campus trying to find a parking space. And then wherever I park is not going to be that much farther than my this house is, is. But it was a little warm that day. And I was in like, you know, nice, you know, not just in nice clothes. And by the time I got there, I was like <laughs> a little bit, you know, out of breath and, and stuff. And I thought, well, this is not, you know, not quite. And I think I looked a little, little crazy walking through our neighborhood, um, up the hills and everything in my dress shoes and every, everything. So I, I didn't do it in the afternoon, but it was a great, it was a great day and some great, I mean, some friends of the pod that were, uh, yeah, that were graduating. Missy Branch was a big one. Yeah. Um, chairman of the Lifeway board as well. That's right. That's right. So it was really fun. You know, it's always neat because at Southeastern, they always say if there's someone that you are here for, like the family member, or if there's a friend, you know, you can stand in honor of them. And I love doing that because you just have people, you know, I had some uh, summit staff members, uh, Julius Tennell and Eric Stortz who graduated. And so it was, it was really great to get to stand in honor of people that we love and care about. So, yeah. Very cool. Pretty cool. Right. Here's a, a one that, one that was great was a college graduate who we were, we were friends with his parents at Southern Seminary and they had come over to our house for dinner, him and a little infant carrier. And then he walked across the stage. He ended up being in my class and walked across the stage and graduated. And I thought, man, life has come full circle. Does that so, make you feel old? Uh, well, I ha the perspective is, I mean, my daughter is now a college student. So I guess not uh, about as old as that makes me feel. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's Southeastern. We moved to Louisville where they had 345 students representing 24 countries get degrees wow. last weekend. Yeah. Um, real quick, let me go back on one thing at Southeastern. Oh. They did give the faculty, um, it was an Excellence in Teaching Award that okay. went to Ben Markle. 
New Testament right. professor. Okay. So very deserving. Yeah. Um, but at Southern, yes, they were, they were out on the seminary lawn. I was emailing with a um, Southern seminary faculty member about something. And uh, with, uh, it was Do- Dr. Schreiner had, had sent him a question and he said they were hoping it wouldn't rain because it was supposed to rain. And so hey, everybody loves a rain show. We talked about that last week. Yeah. So when I when uh, when I looked at their pictures, I was very happy to see it was still outside. So that's that's really good. But yeah. man, twenty four different countries. That's really really cool. I'm not sure Doctor um, Moeller has the same enthusiasm about a rain show as Taylor Swift, though. Probably not. Probably and not. I'm sure that I'm sure that all of those graduates in their caps and gowns and <laughs> with their degrees, they don't either. Um, they also gave. Uh, a faculty award, the Finley B. and Luvenia Edge Faculty Award went to Don Whitney, Professor of yeah. Biblical Spirituality and Associate Dean of the School of Theology. So, and that's a great, that's a great author award, of spiritual disciplines for the Christian life. That's right. That's what everybody right. knows him from. He's he's just he's awesome. So that that's really yep. cool. Yeah. So congrats to him. All right. So that's Southern and Southeastern. We move to New Orleans, and Jamie Dew in his coat of many colors. That's right. So he's got that European doctorate there that makes his his robe looks very different than uh, than everyone else's. But they had uh, 254 graduates and uh, it was a great day for them. I loved seeing all of those pictures um, that all, all of those pictures that were uh put out from Tara and, and other people at New Orleans. It looks like a really, really special day. That was there. They had out of those, um, 22 were doctoral degrees. So Hmm. that's pretty cool. 137 master degrees and graduate certificates and 95 diplomas and certificates from level college. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our graduation roundup. That's all six seminaries. Uh, If you want to hear the other three, go back and listen to last week's episode because we talked about them then. All right. Amy, some annual meeting news. It's just a few weeks away. And this past week was the deadline for churches who have been deemed not in friendly cooperation throughout the year to appeal that decision. And three right. churches have chosen to do so. That's right. So three churches, um, Fern Creek Baptist Church from Louisville, Kentucky, Freedom Church in Vero Beach, Florida, and Saddleback Church in Lake Forest, California. Those were um, ones that had been declared out of cooperation by the executive committee at its February meeting. There have been eight churches total since Anaheim that have been deemed not in friendly cooperation. Two were last September and then six were in February. Three of the churches in February have decided to appeal. This has never happened before. There were there have been churches in previous years since this process really kicked off in 2019. Uh, but this is the first time for uh for the annual meeting to see an appeal. Yeah. And so there are going to be three. It'd be fascinating. Because we've never done this before. It's it's not very often that we can go to an annual meeting and say, hey, in the 178-year right. history of this body, this has never happened before. So here we go. That'll be interesting. Yep, it is. This is the first time to do this to do this process. There have been discussions about oh yeah um, the status, the cooperating status, but not like this. And it's very clear, and we've talked about this on here. It's very clear in Bylaw Eight how that is laid out that it has to be on Tuesday afternoon at some point. So the Committee on Order of Business had a miscellaneous business session in the agenda that would be there for this if it was needed. And so the reason that we know this is it that no more 
far as there was a deadline, they had to do it 30 days before so that the Committee on Order of Business could make the space, you know, make sure that the space was there for that, prepare for it. And so that representative, the representative from the credentials or executive committee could also be aware and prepare. Yeah. And we'll get into that a little bit more in our annual meeting preview show that we'll drop on Memorial Day in just a golly, a week and a half. Wow. That's crazy to think that. Uh, But I do want to point out that we have stories on Saddleback and Fern Creek at Baptist Press, just kind of outlining yeah. what's going on in each of those situations. So uh, just a couple right. of uh, notes on that. Amy, we have an update from Florida, the Florida Baptist Convention. I think uh, last week we had an update that it involved NAM and Send Relief. And now we have an update right. that it was $700,000 in funds. So that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. So yeah, it's uh, perpetuated through fraudulent emails. And related to an account with the Send Network Florida in partnership with NAM. So that was uh, kind of the info we got last week. We're just kind of getting little bits and pieces. FBI, local law enforcement, as well as uh, the Florida Baptist Convention's insurance carrier, banking and audit firm are all working on this, uh, trying to get that information. So just some more info there from Florida. And some info from Arkansas. They have opened the executive director uh, portal. So if you have somebody to nominate for Arkansas, you can do that. So we talked about Missouri just a couple of weeks ago, and now we've got Arkansas. All right. Also, Amy, some more news. A Texas youth minister in Magnolia, Texas, uh, turned himself in this past week and remains in jail uh, at the time of publication for sexually touching teenage boys while working in the youth ministry at First Baptist Church of Magnolia, Texas. Yeah, it says he voluntarily approached the police department and told the officers he named five victims and um, that were between the ages of 14 and 16, and an investigation led to his arrest on one count um, in connection with an event in 2004. Um, so the church came out with a statement. They said they were devastated that he had confessed to this and that immediately immediately upon hearing it from the police department that the church is fully cooperating. Uh, he worked at the church from 2002 to 2012. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our news this week and bring us to my favorite part of the week. This week in SBC history, Amy, blow our minds. All right. We're going to go to 1958. And this is not really any like major story. This is just another reflection on what was happening as they were getting ready for the annual meeting as it was actually, it was happening this week. Um, May 17th is when it was released that the, um, it said the first of more than 15,000 Southern Baptist conventioners is what they were called. Uh, we're arriving in Houston today. It said that they were going to meet at the Houston Coliseum and the Rice Hotel would serve as convention headquarters. But again, like we've talked about, hotels and motels have been without vacancies for weeks and many Houston Baptists have opened their homes to accommodate conventioners. So yet another one. I'm sure this happens now. It just doesn't like, it's not a like, thing that's done through housing you know mm-hmm. i'm sure people yeah, say we're not hey come it. and stay come yeah. and stay with with us 
but it also, I thought this was interesting. It said other meetings than the convention itself will be held in various churches and meeting halls in the city. Some of that's the same. I mean, we have different networks that have, uh, have them, but uh, it just, the idea of thinking, you know, we try to have as much as possible all together, but this is a different time where you don't have these big convention centers. So people probably spread all over the city. It said that attendance was expected to set a record. The previous attendance record was set in 1953 at Houston when 12,976 messengers. So back in the 50s, I mean, we're kind of running about the same now. Yeah. And so they were they were already really they were already kind of moving up pretty big. But it said a major item on opening night is the address of the convention president representatives Brooks Hayes. And I'm excited about that because I just wrote an article about Brooks Hayes for the ERLC magazine, which is coming out soon. So 1958 was a a pretty great year with the convention sermon coming from Robert Naylor, who we've talked about on here as well, because he had the the book that he wrote where he reflected on so many different things that he had. going to say because he had a daughter that's famous. He also had a daughter who is famous, yes. <laughs> but remember, we talked about him like taking the train out to California. Oh, that's, and stuff. Right, so he, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it also said being presented that night when uh, the address is happening on opening night would also be a special drama on the Baptist Jubilee Advance program of church extension and evangelism in which Southern Baptists and six other Baptist groups with a total of 19 million members are participating. Why don't we have those? Can we do a drama? Amy, we have enough drama as it is at the annual meeting. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all week. But I'm bummed. Yes. Uh, I don't feel like that would hit. Like, I guess we have videos that play now, but I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that it would, would land in the same way, but Probably anyway, not. it's always fun to kind but of we have look, videos now. To kind of look they didn't and have see. videos then, so yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. So we have different different ways of communicating. Um, anyway, it was just a great little release right as the convention was kicking off and it gave a nice picture. And I, I love to always reflect and compare. And so folks were getting to Houston for a week-long annual meeting, which I always say, let's go back to that. But they were doing it. This week in SBC history. Amy, I regret to inform you that they did not set the attendance record that year. The they previous, didn't, how the previous time, did. you know, you mentioned 1953. 1958, right. only 11,966. It so. said convention leaders expected the registered messengers to surpass the 13,000 mark easily. They well, didn't. They didn't. You know, they didn't have housing. People didn't come. People ain't going nowhere without housing. Two years later, they passed 13,000 in Miami Beach. Okay. Now, here's another interesting thing that said. It says the convention is 113 years old and convenes annually, except for a dozen years in which wartime emergencies and other factors have prevented meeting. We had one of the other factors yeah. that popped up. It stayed annual from 1958 on until a few years ago when we made history. Yeah. 1945. To 2000 had been the last one. Yeah, 75 years right. without missing a beat, and then COVID. There you go. Yeah, that that, that line there, and then COVID. So, all right, and then COVID. That's for everything. Yes, it is. All right, that'll bring us to our resources of the week. Maybe our resource of the week is 
It is a new Bible study. It's put out by Lifeway Women. It is called Devoted 30 Days with Women of the Bible. I think it drops on June 1st. And I'm really excited about this because I got to write one of these. Oh, so it's another writing project I didn't know anything about. Yeah, sorry. Well, I got to write one on Phoebe. The the girl from Friends? No. Oh. On um Phoebe, who was you remember she she carried like she was known for being a servant. She yes. was she carried a letter for Paul. Yes. And and I loved loved writing this. I actually got to use an illustration in there talking about someone um, who I admired very, very much from a, a church that we were at, from Ninth and O Baptist Church oh. in Louisville, Kentucky. I thought it was going to be me. No, no, someone uh, a great a great servant of the church there, Martha Searles. I got to uh, I shared an illustration about her and how when I read about Phoebe being known as a servant, it made me think about um, Martha. I thought, hmm. who do I know that is just known for that? Um, so that was a that was just a great project and really enjoyable to write, but there's tons. It's a, like I said, it's 30 different women of the Bible and, um, and other people, Julia Higgins, Christy Thornton, lots of people that I, uh, love and admire participated in this. Yeah. Should be able to pick that up at the Lifeway store at the annual meeting. And my resource of the week is another piece that you will pick up at the annual meeting because it is the SBC book of reports. Now you can, Look at it beforehand online and in the app. So if you have the SBC Annual Meeting app, you can download that, but you can also check it out at the annual meeting because it'll be in your registration packet. So when you register, you will get a bag with the book of reports, a messenger guide, a bunch of other information for you as a messenger, as well as your ballot and your name badge. And the book of reports is an important piece. Each year, it tells a lot about what's going on in SBC life. And uh, Nathan Finn uh, joined me this past week and uh, is going to be on an upcoming episode of The Road to New Orleans. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Nathan serves as the SBC recording secretary. He also had a first person about the book of reports and its importance. So uh, the book of reports is my resource of the week. All right. All righty. Well, that's going to do it for us this week on the podcast. Just a few weeks before we descend on New Orleans. So at least half of the podcast descends on New Orleans. The other half is staying in Wake Forest. That's right. Graduation. Yes. Congratulations, Drew. And uh, you, you should have moved to graduation. So should have filed a petition with the school. But anyway. All right. Well, Amy, that's going to do it. See you next week. See you next week. See you next week.